So last week we began um, at the end very briefly to talk about uh, the story of Sayyidina Dawood السلام, and we, we talked about how uh, when Saul uh, Talut was, was, uh, became the king for Bani Israel, he took his troops with him and they crossed the river and he tested them, all of that. And very few ended up following him. And then David السلام, was in the ranks of the army and David killed Goliath with the, with the slingshot. Uh, and that's where we ended. So Dawood السلام, he is from the descendants of Jacob السلام, Yaqub, the son of Ishaq, the son of Ibrahim السلام. So David is from the line of, of, of Jacob. In the story uh, of, of uh, Saul, Talut, and Dawood uh, fighting Jalut, the Goliath, etc., David was like a young boy, you know, maybe he was like 16 or 15, something like that. He was a young boy. And because of his, uh, that incident, because he beat, not only did he beat Goliath and that the Jews, Ben Israel, were given victory, but he did it in like a smart way. So he didn't, you know, uh, Goliath is big and has these weapons. He didn't even have a weapon, he just had this slingshot. And because of that, he became very popular and very famous. So he ends up inheriting the kingship from Talmud. So he becomes a king. So David is a king and he's also a prophet. So he's a prophet king. And throughout the story of the MBA, the MBA, they have different like jobs, like day jobs. Not all of them are the same. So he is a, a prophet king. And then his son, Sulaiman also becomes a prophet king. You know, but Jesus you know, was poor. He wasn't a, a, a king, but he was from the great MBA. Uh, Moses was, you know, a shepherd. Uh, Noah was a carpenter because he built the, the ark, you know. So all of them have different jobs. So there's like a zahir, there's an outward expression of the prophets, which is they have like some, they need to do something in life to earn a living, etc. And then there's a bottom, there's an internal expression. And internally, that's how we usually refer to them as, you know, they're a prophet. But it's also important to know that they had it, they, they were like us, they were humans and they had a job and, and things like that. So Dawood salam is one of the unique examples in the, the story of MBF that he's a prophet king. And what makes the story of Dawood very important is that there is a huge difference between our <coughs> understanding of the story of David and the biblical understanding of the story of David. In Judaism, David is not considered a prophet. He's just considered a king. You know, like a, an important figure in Jewish history, but not a, not a Nabi the way we understand. And because David, السلام, we consider a Nabi, mm. and as, as we said in the beginning, there are certain things that we must understand about the NBA. There are certain things that we must assume about them, and there are certain things that are impossible for them. Tonight, it will be very important that we highlight on this so we can see what the difference is between our story, which is what we believe in, what is part of our faith and our theology, versus what is the story of, uh, of the Hebrew Bible. And unfortunately, 
a lot of the stories of the Hebrew Bible on this issue of David, they have found their way into Muslim tafsir. So there actually are some, um, what's the right word? Um, some confusion in amongst the mufassirun uh, about the story of, of David salam. So we're gonna talk about that. David salam, has a story that goes back to the time of Adam. So when Adam salam, was, was created and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, you know, breathed life into him and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused all of the descendants of Adam, i.e. all of us, to appear before Adam. Adam said to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's this very handsome, beautiful person amongst them. Who is this? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Adam, salam, this is David. He's from your descendants. So Adam, salam, he says, he is so beautiful, he is so handsome, give him uh, 40 years of my life. Or how many years did you give him? Uh, Allah says 660. So he says, no, he's so beautiful, I, I, he's so attractive, he's so radiant, give him 40 more years of his life. So because of this, we, we remind ourselves, I think we talked about this way back when we, talked, when we began this, but David السلام, was very handsome, like Joseph. He was one of the physically very handsome. And he was blue-eyed, and he was short, and he had light-colored hair, السلام. And that would have been, I think, this is me saying, quite odd for those type of people because if Moses was dark, as we said, almost maybe black, like as a black African, as our African brothers, for example, most likely Moses was like that, One would assume that the Israelites were dark, dark people. So for amongst them, from the descendants of Yaqub, to find somebody who's light-skinned, blue-eyed, light hair, that would have been very, you know, striking. So he was very striking. And in addition to that, he was of the purest of people. And we highlight these things because when we come to talk about the divergence of stories, we need to always remember what our belief is when it comes to the Anbiya. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him an extraordinary voice. So his voice was extremely beautiful. And what David was given, even though David is a prophet under the Sharia of Moses he was given a book, he was given a Zabur or the Psalms. So the Psalms in the Bible, this is the, the, the book that we attribute to Dawood And David, not only did he recite the Psalms, he almost sang them. And in, in one hadith, he sang them with a string instrument. And it was so beautiful that even the birds, you know, everything around him sort of was like, like being like attentive. He was very melodious, very handsome, very beautiful. So it's almost like, like a figure from somewhere else, you know, alayhi salam. Very, very striking figure. And the Psalms of David, the Zahur of David, are like um, maxims and like principles and like rules of life. Uh, you know, um, you know, how bad is misguidance after guidance? You know, things like that. So they're all of these like one-liners, like principles of life. And our, in our own sources, we have ulama that have, you know, compiled what we have through our chains of narration of the Psalms, uh, the Psalms of David, alayhi salam. 
So David, he, 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 from a very young age, you know, he's distinguished himself. He inherits this political strength with prophecy, uh, sort of like how the prophet Muhammad was at the end of his life, sort of with Medina and Mecca, I guess you can kind of think of it like that. But, you know, he starts off his life like this. And one of the um, interesting traits about David السلام, is that he used to have a particular way of worship that was not necessarily part of like the Sharia that he, well, he didn't bring the Sharia, but it wasn't necessarily part of the normal Sharia of Bani Israel, but this was his own personal practice. So he would fast one day and he would break his fast the next day. And then he would fast. So every other day he was fasting. This is how he fasted. So the Prophet Sallallahu he said the best fast is the fast of David. He would fast one day and one day mm. he would eat normally. Another thing that David did is that he, um, he carved up his day in portions. So because he was a king, he was also a judge. Uh, and this is another aspect of his nubuwa is that he was uh, always um, uh, trying to adjudicate cases between people. And the, the stories of the Qur'an about David are, are usually in that context. So he knew that he had to allot a portion for the people. He would have to allot a portion for himself. So he worked. So he didn't get paid for being the king. He worked with his own hands. And he would only eat from that which he got. He gained income from his own hands. So he would work, make something, sell it, get paid. And that's what he used to feed himself and his family. And the Prophet said, Muhammad he said, this is the best form, the best food that you can eat is that from what your own hand brings. You know, so like not like the free lunch that we have at uh, ICCP. That's like one step below, one step below. Optimal is you work, you get your paycheck, you go to the store, you buy food and, and, and you make it yourself. Not that you just, you know, expect that your wife is gonna do it. So we have to also learn. Maybe we should have cooking class for the men. I, mean, I could really benefit from that. So this was David And all of the MBA were like this. By the way, all of the NBA, they ate from what they they earned. So don't think like being a prophet is a, like a paying job. There's no benefits, uh, worldly benefits. There's no 401k. There's no job security. There's no social security. You just have Allah security. That's it. And, and, and you'll be persecuted. You'll be spat on. They'll try to kill you and steal and all of these things. But that's what comes with the job. So he, he would have a portion of the day for the people. He'd have a portion of the day for himself to work. <clears throat> and he would have a portion in the evening in which he would worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So one of the things that we learn from the story of David is we learn time management, essentially. How we allot our day. And the Muslims, we have been overly obsessed with this aspect. So we have this thing in, in Islam called awrad, which is the plural of wird. A wird is like something that, it's like a, something that you do all the time. So the whole reason why the Qur'an is, is carved up in, in the juz, you know, the juz and stuff like that, that's a bid'ah. The Qur'an wasn't revealed like that. The Muslims after the Sahaba, they are the ones that made the Qur'an into 30 juz. And then each juz they cut in half into two hizb. And then each hizb is cut into fours. Why? To facilitate the reading of it. I'm going to read a portion in the morning, a portion in the evening. Or I'll read a portion before the prayer and a portion after the prayer. 
and then the next prayer, a portion before and a portion after. So that I could finish the Qur'an in a month, I could finish the Qur'an in seven days, I could finish the Qur'an in ten days. So we have a culture of this obsessiveness of, of, of time management in this way. How do we uh, read a little bit every day? How do we do some uh, durud every day? How do we do some dhikr every day? How do we fast every week? You know, so on and so forth. And this is something that we inherit from people like Sayyidina Dawood alayhi salam. And, um, and the Prophet he talked to us about the last third of the night, the first third of the night, you know, these type of hadith, uh, sleep after Aisha and then wake up, you know, two thirds into the, things like that. <clears throat> the Quran, nisfahu, alayhi wa you know, stay up at night and pray half of it, a third of it, you know, so even the Quran talks about portions of time. So Sayyidina Dawood alayhi salam, he, he excelled in this. Um, another thing about Sayyidina Dawood alayhi salam, from the miracles that he was given is that he, steel and, and metal work became something that was easy for him and his people. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, and we had softened the steel in his hands, meaning either he himself could like, you know, like bend the steel or, you know, the, they had some kind of technology that made it easy for them to use, but part of their kingdom was also this type of uh, development, development of structures and infrastructure and things like that, which the people of Israel needed at this time because then you know they were just like a fledging, they had just won this battle, so they needed to, you know, so on and so forth to defend themselves. Okay, so this is these are the main points of the story of David, and he, he lived to, to, till he was a hundred because of the forty, the forty extra years that he got. Yeah. Yeah. No. What is the big issue with the story of David? There are two things. Number one is that there is a story that exists in the Hebrew Bible that David, when he was worshipping at night, uh, like in seclusion, like he was in a khalwa of sorts and he was worshipping, uh, a bird came into like the prayer room and he was trying to chase it away and then the bird sort of kind of went to the window so he went to chase it at the window and when he got to the window he saw a woman who was bathing and then he fell in love with this woman so he asked his guards you know who is this woman and they say oh she's so and so and her husband is like out in like the battlefield somewhere so he says okay well send him to the front line tomorrow you know with like the banner and then the man goes on the front line and the man dies and then David uh, marries the woman. Has, have anyone heard this story? Yeah. yeah, okay. So this is problem number one. Problem number two is, uh, and I wish the brother that was here last week was here because he was, he was so concerned that we were gonna talk about David, but anyway, you'll have to listen, I guess. Problem number two is in Surah As-Sad, there's a, uh, uh, a story in which David is in the same khadwa, and two people come to him uh, and they're disputing, they have a dispute. And we said that this is one of his jobs is to be like the arbiter, the judge. Um, and uh, one has 99 uh, animals, the other has one animal, and then uh, David quickly judges and 
Allah subhanahu he realizes it's a test, so he makes sujood and he asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. Okay, this is the story in the Quran. This is problem number two. So well, let's deal with problem number one. This story is not a story that we believe in. That's, that's the end of it. We don't believe in the story. But the question is why? Why, why do we not believe in the story? Because this is impossible for a prophet to do. Because our belief, it's an a'tiqad, our belief in the MBA is that they're infallible. Meaning that they're infallible morally, they're infallible in uh, uh, making a mistake in giving the message, or else we can't trust any of us. If the MBA were fallible the way we are, we would not be able to trust the Quran, we would not be able to trust the Hadith, because we could say, oh, well, the Prophet could have forgotten, or he made it up. Because he's just like me, he's just like a better version of me. No, the Prophet is nothing like us. That's the issue. That's why this never-ending series of the stories of the Prophet, we will finish one day, inshallah. Why it's so important? Because we do not believe that the MBA were just like superheroes. No, that they were met, they were prophets, they were masumin, they were infallible. It's impossible that they could be stupid, for example. You can't say that the prophet is dumb. All of them have to be, have zakat, they have to have intuition, they have to have wisdom, or else they wouldn't be able to do all of the things that we've been talking about. Now we can be dumb. Even the awliya could be, you know, not dumb, but they have wisdom, but they're human. Uh, Imam al-Junaid, the, the Imam of the Ta'if, as we refer to the Imam of the, of the Sufis, he was asked, Ayazni al-Wali, can the saint commit zina? And Imam al-Junaid, he said, He said, of course, the, the, the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes from qadr. Yes, the saint is not, is not infallible. Now the saint, we believe is better than us, is close. We, we, we believe if Imam al-Shafi'i was here, we would kiss his feet. Because he's Imam al-Shafi'i, he's this great mujtahid, he's this saintly person. If Rabbi al-Adawiyya was here, you know, we would ask her to, to teach us. But they're human, like we are. And we can approach that level. But we can't approach the level of the MBA. In, in the modern culture, the hero is kind of just like, you know, a better version of us. The NBA are not like that. So David, if we believe, which we do, is a Nebi, then it's impossible that he saw a woman bathing and he has this stratagem to kill her husband and then marry. I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> then, then why would we follow him? Then why would Allah Ta'ala refer to him as in the Quran? You know, he was somebody that constantly turned to me. Why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refer to him as his servant? Why would the Prophet, our Prophet, praise him? It wouldn't make sense. So we reject this story altogether. And our literature is not 100% free of mistakes. So these mistakes exist in tafsir. And that's why these classes are important, so we can point these out. They call it bid'ah tafsir, the bid'ah of tafsir. So there are these things that exist, like in the story of David, not because these people were malicious, but you know, trying to do tafsir of the entire Quran is, is an overwhelming task. And the, the first thing you're going to do is look what was written before you and, and bring that down. Story of David. Can we go to David back there? Yes. Story of David. So 
he sees this woman bathing, etc. He sends uh, her husband to the front lines and he dies and he marries her. There is no uh, sound hadith. There is no uh, sahih hadith of this story. So for us, it's we call it Israeliyat. It's something that comes from the people of Israel. And how did it come to the tafsir is another story. But you know, there were companions that were uh, Jewish and they became Muslim and we've talked about this before. So it's very common uh, that these type of stories come. If you read any tafsir of the uh, stories dealing with the Hebrew Bibles, more often than not, you will find the Mufassirun will say, and in the Bible it says this, this, and that. And as we said before, as long as what's in the Bible or the Jewish sources, in this case, do not violate a principle of aqidah for us, we take it as part of augmenting the stories of the Anbiya. We have no problem with that whatsoever. Uh, neither do we have any problem assuming that people like the Buddha or people like um, you know, uh, Confucius or these other great uh, spiritual leaders were people of God or Anbiya. Because we know that Allah has not told us about all of the Anbiya by name in the Quran. But when there is something like this that, that is so weird and, and, and goes against this principle of infallibility, this is when we pause and we say, this is not accepted. So when we analyze, we find that there's no sound hadith. And, and that whole story, that part we reject. There was no woman bathing and the man died and all of that. <clears throat> but what we do have is we have this surah, surah Sad, in which these two people come to David salam. And then David salam judges, and then in the verse, Actually, can you give me the mushaf so you can just uh, you can just read the. Uh, he 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 realizes that this is a test, uh, and then he asks for forgiveness, and he um, uh, he makes sajda. David is sitting in his private prayer area, in his palace, that's closed off by a gate, and we said that David. You know, he's dividing his days. Everyone knows these are not office hours. This is not when you come and see David. So these people, they jump the fence and break into his house and break into his uh, like room, like, like the room like inside here. So imagine you're doing khalo in here and then all of a sudden two people, you know, show up. But there's a gate there and the cop car and then the doors are locked. And so you become extremely frazzled. Okay. And then they say we have this problem with, and, and David uh, uh, adjudicates. And then he says, So David assumed that we have tested him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَاسْتَغْفَرَ رَبَّهُ So he seeks istighfar from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَخَرَّ رَاكِعًا وَأَنَابِ And then he prostrated himself and he returned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the verse of the sajda in Surah Sal. And then the verse after that, فَغَفَرْنَا لَهُ ذَلِكَ So we forgave him for this. And indeed he is with us of a, of a high of a high rank. And then the verse after that, Ya Dawood, Oh David, we have made you a Khalifa on earth. So judge between people on, based on truth. Do not follow your Capri, it will take you away from the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, why is David asking for istighfar? It's the same reason why Sayyidina Muhammad used to ask Allah for forgiveness a hundred times a day. 
So the Prophet is asking forgiveness. When he says, My heart becomes clouded and I seek istighfar from Allah a hundred times a day. So Abu Hassan al-Shadili, one of the great Sufis, he, he, he didn't understand this hadith. So how could the Prophet's house be cloudy? And he heard a voice that he said, the, the, the cloud of lights, not the cloud of the dunya. Meaning that the Prophet ﷺ is constantly in a, in a state of ascent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So every point he looks back at the point he was just in, he says, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. It's very different than our istighfar. So just because the Quran mentions that David makes istighfar, or the Prophet ﷺ made istighfar, or Adam uh, and, and Hawa asked, Adam asks and Eve asks for Allah for forgiveness and Allah forgives them. Does not necessitate that there is a sin involved. Just like when we pray and after we pray salam salam we say astaghfirullah. Well we just prayed. But we're saying astaghfirullah. So this istighfar is kind of like our thing. We just do istighfar all the time. So that's one issue is that David saying astaghfirullah does not necessarily mean that there is a sin involved. The other thing is the man was weirded out. It's the middle of the night. These people break into his house. They barge in on him. And then they give him this, uh, this story. And he judges for them. So he makes istighfar for being frazzled. Think about that understanding. That he makes istighfar for being frazzled, not trusting in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. By being scared of some dunya thing not having full trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Any of, any of us would, would freak out. I get scared to go in the basement sometimes if it's too dark. I don't say astaghfirullah when I go downstairs. I'm looking for a, a nightlight to put in the wall. So anyone would be freaking out. Again, it's like Adam, uh, Moses uh, saying, no, I sinned. Uh, Abraham saying, I lied. Thing, things like that. So th these issues, uh, if as we have all seen, are issues that some of the tafsirs do not highlight well enough and they leave it open for us to think that somehow David sinned so David made istighfar and he made sajda <coughs> so we make istighfar but look the verse after we've made you a khalifa why would Allah make him a khalifa? make him a king make him kill Goliath if he was somebody that could be easily manipulated womanizing killing uh, that wouldn't make sense. That doesn't, that doesn't hold up in the balance of our understanding of what the MBF were. So this is a little bit of how we would approach some of the tafsir of this chapter of this story of David uh, alayhi salam. Any questions? Wallahu ta'ala a'la wa'ala.